Welcome to the Yeshiva Show with Dove and Mo. I'm David Friedman, Fast Mini Yeshiva High School, class of 2003. Mo Eisenberg, class of 96. And Dove, it's uh, it's great to have you back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great to have you back. In the last time. episode we did, you were you were not you were not feeling well. I was not, and that um, was like before Pesach. Right. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're better. Uh, yeah. And uh, what can I say? You know, the end is the end is near. The end is the nigh. End, the end is near, <laughs> and maybe that's something we'll talk to some of our guests about. But the the end is near. Here we are. Been a fun run. Season four. Season four. That's it. Who'd have thunk it? Not me. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but season four is is, is going to be a good one. A lot of fun. A lot of fun uh, interviews that we've had. Mo, it's it's May second. It is. It is. Which means this podcast is going to come out in July. But <laughs> yeah, it's May the second officially. So that's good. And uh, and uh, the weather's terrible. The weather's bad. Uh, Cubs are sort of good. The White Sox stink. The White Sox are not so good. too this bad is, for that. Dub, are you, is it true you're part of a, a group trying to put an ownership together for the White Sox? I'm part of a group that's advocating for a full-on boycott of the White Sox. Ah, okay. Well, I knew it was one of those. It's 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 been tough times in the uh, in the Friedman White Sox fandom. Um, but it's it's good to be back in the Rosh Yeshiva's office. Here we are doing this podcast. They with still you. haven't hired. We one. have a few weeks left. Yes, before. The gala June fourth mm. centennial event, mm. which mm-hmm. I've been told is going to be unlike anything that they've ever done before. Oh yeah, I mean you're talking about epic proportions, that of which haven't been seen since the times of creation. Yeah, I mean this is probably going to be the best yeshiva dinner event since the infamous 1928 dinner. <laughs> yes, which which was infamous. Uh, for many reasons that we've, I think we've heard on the podcast actually. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it precipitated the Great Depression. We have we have a bunch of stuff lined up. We have a, a another reunion coming up. Uh, That's right. You're going. I'm going. This Mo's time. going. Uh, a reunion in Los Angeles, and uh, and that was that's going to be fun. And uh, you're going to talk to all sorts of cool people. Yeah. And then we're going to take that Los Angeles episode. We're going to merge it with our Florida episode. Right. And we're going to have a reunion. Florida, yes. Los Angeles. Floridian Re- Angeles. It's going to be yeah. a coast to coast. We're going to call it the coast to coast reunion yes. episode. Oh, that's a good one. I like it. And uh, and today's a good one. Today's yeah. Today's a good one. This is this is going to be interesting. We're, we're in season four and it's, it's time to time to take out the big guns. Oh, yeah. And w- with that, I mean, this is this is really I don't want to everyone that we've had has been terrific. But when you think about yeah. no, okay. <laughs> when you think about, you know, the Yeshiva and the Yeshiva history, I think season four is jam packed with. Uh, people who I think our listeners have been really um, a wanting to hear from and b wondering if they'll hear from. We, we got to talk to the real insiders. Yes, you know this is going to be, you know, we'll have some interesting wacky stuff come along. I'm sure, but I'm sure we've got a few guests lined up for this final season. So, so who do we have today? Uh, Dove? Why well, don't you tell? Why us? don't you? Why don't you tell? Are us you sure? I don't know. I feel like maybe. <laughs> I think. Uh, well. I'll take I'll take a shot at yeah, it. Yeah, go today for it. We have, Do your best. See if you remember your notes. Today we're gonna have um, Rabbi Don Well. What? Yes, Rabbi Don Well. For those who don't know, was the president of HTC from 1981 to 1989. He's a musmach of the yeshiva. Mm, uh, he 
oversaw a period of bold transformation um, from 81 to 89. Um, and he was born in Haifa originally. Wow. His parents descended from a long line of Rabbanim and Mechanchim. His paternal grandfather served a- as in, as a prominent rabbinic position in the Hasidic city of Uman. Was he a musmach of the Yeshiva? He was. He well, was, in that? fact, a musmach of the Yeshiva. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually had his uh, his brother on, um, Rabbi Harvey Well, if at you the, recall, at, at the at the uh, Israel, Israel reunion. reunion. I do not He's recall. in that episode. I mean, I, I listened to it, I'm obviously. I'm sure you did. Obviously. Put me to sleep, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> not no, right, not Rabbi Well. No, not Rabbi um, Well. That, that and, was the best um, part. You know, he received a smicha from the yeshiva in 1961. Mm. He was an mm-hmm. active leader in B'nai Kiva youth m- movement um, and in uh, Mosheva. Um, and again, just oversaw a ton of transition at the uh, at the yeshiva. I think this can be interesting. I'm going to be honest. I did not know who of Rabbi Donwell before we started this podcast. And then one of the first people we had on the podcast, yes, uh, I think Brian Levinson, mentions Don Well and I'm like, who who is this guy? So for me, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn some new stuff. Um and uh I'm gonna you know ask you to ask all the hard questions. No problem. I'm happy to let's get him on the horn. All right, let's do it. Uh we are joined today uh by Rabbi Don Well. It is really an honor to be able to speak with you, Rabbi. Rabbi Don Well, of course, as we mentioned earlier, uh, is a musmach of the yeshiva, um, a former president of the yeshiva, uh, someone that we'll get into, Rabbi Well, get into some of the innovations that you actually created that are that are mainstays of the yeshiva uh, today. Um, but I wanted to talk with you, Rabbi Well, about, uh, first of all, welcome. And I wanted to talk Thank with you. you about some of your your time. If you can take us back to the time when you were a, a bacher um, in the yeshiva and how, how you ended up in Skokie Yeshiva as a, uh, as a student. Okay, um, my father, Zichron Alivracha, was a Talmud of the Yeshiva, was the Musmach uh, of Chicago. Uh, he came from Russia around 1927. His father was a Russian Rav and went to Western Canada. My father came to the Yeshiva, and um, I've been in New York for 25 years already. I still say Yeshiva, they all say Yeshiva, <laughs> but that's how important the Yeshiva is in my memory. At any rate, he came to Chicago. My mother was from Chicago. They went to Israel and brought me into the world, uh, and then came back. and He began the um, the circuitous route of many people. You know, marry a rabbi, see the world. And he went from uh, Tumwa, Iowa, to Memphis, Tennessee, to Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, from there, I was sent to the yeshiva at the age of bar mitzvah. I came to this wonderful, wonderful, majestic institution. I had visited it a couple of times before, um, but uh, I can see myself exactly where I was in the base medrash on the second floor of Douglas Boulevard. Um, <laughs> it was the Chicago Yeshiva at that time, um, at davening and learning. Uh, on the left side. And next to him, Rav Rogoff, and next to him, Rav Warnick, the Mashgiach, and next to him, Rabbi Starr. And I'm skipping a few, going to the right side. We had Rabbi Sassman, who was the president, Dr. Waxman, um, then Rabbi Regensburg, then Rev Mendel Kaplan, Rev Herzl Kaplan, or probably the other way around, Rev Herzl was older. Um, and uh, what a lineup it was, and how beautiful and how inspiring the davening and the learning was. Um, 
And the yeshiva had recently become a full-time day yeshiva, which was very rare. The yeshiva probably is the second oldest um, yeshiva institution in the United States. Uh, certainly no more than the third, but the, all I know of is that REIT and YU may have preceded it. So at any rate, I went to the Chicago Jewish Academy, co-sponsored by the Yeshiva and the Associated Talmud Torah, graduated there, went to college, uh, went on Aliyah. Um, oh, no, no, no. First, I went to graduate school at the University of Chicago. And when I finished there, I went on Aliyah, um, taught at Tel Aviv University. I was a research psychologist in Jerusalem at the Zold Institute. Um, and at one point then, got an invitation more or less to come back to the yeshiva, and I did so, and um, I'm doing this, of course, very, very quickly because there's not a lot of time, and became president of the yeshiva. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, very much enough. You can focus on anything you want if you wish to question me further. When you came back to the yeshiva, you know, and became president of the yeshiva, what did you see and what were your goals? Um, when I became, I was associated with the yeshiva as a, as a graduate school student. I taught Tanakh in the high school, um, uh, taught several subjects in, in the, the, uh, Chochmat Yisrael area of the yeshiva and later worked, um, for a period of time as dean of the college and creating the the Jewish Studies Program. When I came back as president, it was a very different institution. The yeshiva had gone through a number of severe challenges from the end of the 60s through the 70s. Um, I don't know if you want me to elaborate on that, but there were challenges in terms of board composition was not orthodox. Um, it was largely made up of members of traditional congregations themselves, former Talmudim of the yeshiva, but not attuned to what a real learning institution ought to be. The faculty at one point was highly demoralized. Uh, yeshiva, I don't know, you've covered the history of it. No doubt you know about the, the period um, when there was a schism in the faculty. Um, Really, everywhere I looked on yeshiva, it was kind of a bleak landscape. The high school was leaderless. Teachers Institute, TI, had 20 students. Uh, base Medrash was uh, not much more than that. Um, anyway, that, that's what I found. What my goals were, were to readapt, bring the yeshiva into the, the 1980s, which is when I assumed the presidency, um, bring it into the modern world, and there was a lot that needed to be done. Um, I, I think the biggest two problems in the yeshiva, if I can collapse it all into a unit, really, is number one, morale was very, very poor. Um, yeshiva had had a hard time. It had gone through a number of crises, the Rosecone College, um, Jewish University of America, those may be chapters in our history. I don't know that you know that you've had an opportunity to speak to people who still who were still alive for that matter, uh, who went through those times. There, there was a faculty rebellion on two occasions. 
Um, but it was a very resilient and very well-established school. The, the, uh, the Skokie campus is gorgeous, but the Chicago campus was, was no less impressive for its time. At any rate, the morale of the institution was at a low. What were these, you mentioned a fact. You mentioned a f- some of these events that I haven't heard about, but you mentioned a faculty rebellion. Were you present for these things, and, and or had you? Oh, just I heard was about a student it? at the time. Yes, yeah, very much present, and to some degree, we were we were marginally involved. That was really a period of time when a couple of the rebellion left, um, some at their own request, some not, and um, and the rose cone vision, the dream of a girls' college across the campus, which ultimately was the building given to El Toro. So that um, um, that that vision collapsed. It, it uh, evaporated, even though there was a lot of money left by the Cone family of, of Mogan David Wine fame. Uh, there was a dream of the Jewish University of America, a very leading balabot named Max Bressler, uh, took over the leadership of the board for a short period of time. Um, so the faculty was very divided on that. And and it um, it set waves in motion that went through the 60s, the end of the 60s and the 70s. So they never really needed a, um, a, just a total rehabilitation. Um, and... and Rabbi, well, was, as was, a student, how did yeah. that? As a student, you're seeing all that unfold. How did that affect you? It 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 forced some of us to confront our identity a little more in a nuanced way than we would have otherwise. Um, you, you had many people had to make the decision as to whether they sided with the institutional side of the yeshiva or the or the faculty side of the yeshiva. Uh, I think we came out stronger. Um, I think that the faculty that remained uh, remained strong and resilient, um, and the students were um, uh, students. Nobody benefited from it, but it created, as I said, challenges. So, was this something that when you came back and were? I, I'd love to hear how you how you became. Um, a candidate or how you became appointed or how you became told you were president or however that worked out. But, but before that happened was, was and you knew all this history. Was there something that, um, that you were excited about the challenge knowing that like you can take a part in fixing this or why didn't you just say, Hey, I, I don't need this problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. You're right. I think it was only because of the fact that there was a deep love for the school that was really in my DNA. Uh, I thought it was a challenge. Uh, I'm focusing unhappily on it right now because you asked me the question about, you know, what I found, what my goals were. My goals were shaped by what I found. But I think I had the hubris of thinking that I could fix it. And uh, I like to think that to a large extent I did. The fact is that when I assumed the presidency, that there was a feeling of renaissance, and and it lasted for four or five years, especially after the initial year. The initial year was, yeah. Yeah. So, how did you turn the corner? What What were some of the things you 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 did? I think that well, I know that I sat down, I sketched out, I met what I was dealing with. 
um, to answer your, your previous question, there were people, there were one or two that had been interviewed, one of whom I think may have been offered the presidency before me and said, in effect, uh, um, he would have to rebuild the institution from the ground up. Um, and that was, a, that was an accurate appraisal. What I did is I sat down and I chose my goals. And I think my goals were focused really on two things at first. Uh, you don't seem the people, as, as I follow your progress, and I'm in awe of what you're doing, by the way, this year is an extraordinary project and the way that everybody has worked on it is extremely impressive. And the work that you're doing, I have followed and listened to some of the interviews, is very impressive. Um, what I had to look at first was board and faculty. Um, that broke down as follows. We needed a new chairman of the board, and Baruch Hashem, uh, with the help of several important from Balabatim, um, Rabbi Aaron Regensburg in particular, um, Rabbi Mel Shapiro, um, there were a few people that were involved in this. Anyway, it was uh, we took over the board. The board became a um, much more orthodox board. The executive committee consisted largely of, there are two or three people that were longtime donors and not, not observant, but they were wonderful Jews like Bork Blitzstein. He gave me the money for TI. TI had an enrollment of maybe 20. Uh, I went out and I got Esther Schuck to take over as director of TI. And you see what it is today. Yeah. That's pretty much what was happening all over the yeshiva. Um, the Blitzstein Institute, I gave it the name. The Fastman Yeshiva High School, I gave it the name. Uh, at my first annual dinner in the yeshiva, we decided to name it after Rabbi Fastman, brought in Rabbi Pollock as principal, and we were on our way in terms of, um, of the student body and um divisions we got the board now the only thing that really was a a difficult undertaking but Baruch Hashem then went through beautifully was the assembling of a new faculty and it had to be a faculty that understood the mission of the yeshiva uh, not only Rabbi Pollock um Rabbi Rand Rabbi Avram Friedman I brought from California as Mashgiach um Many of the, the faculty that you know were hired in my time, and Baruch Hashem, their, the success of their tenure is attested to by the fact that some of them are still around. I think we... They uh, understood the, yeah. I think I'm just going to... I'm sorry to interrupt. I think I, I can name two at least that we've we've talked, we've spoken to, Rabbi Rand and Rabbi Polstein, who who uh, both credited you with, uh, with, with their uh, tenure at the Yeshiva, and obviously we know... Um, their accomplishments in the yeshiva have been have been immense. Rabbi Rand, uh, outside of being a rebbe, Rabbi Rand obviously in the Lakute Pshatim world, and um, right. and something else which I think you started uh, was Rabbi Polstein with the yeshiva Sakayat's world. Um, well, yeshiva, yeah, yeshiva Sakayat was not my idea. Rabbi Rosenbaum, Irv Rosenbaum, began it as a computer camp uh, as part of his vision of the Institute for Computers in Jewish Life. But when I was appointed uh, president, 
and I was voted in and appointed. I wasn't told by anybody. Um, I, I looked for someone like Rabbi Polstein to make it into a recruitment instru instrument and to bring in, to lower the age. It had been from, I think, upper high school. So we moved it down to eighth grade so that we could bring kids into the yeshiva Talmudim. And, and it was, it, it flourished. It was beautiful. Rabbi Polstein's an excellent mechanic. Yeah, there were other people. Rabbi Kuttner was a Rebbe, um, and he wanted to leave and go back to New York, and I convinced him to take over the position as as director of finances. Wow. Um, and a wonderful person and very suited to the task. So uh, so I, I think, you know, you don't see them if you went to the Yeshiva or the Yeshiva High School in the 90s or the 2000s. You don't see that lineup that I saw of the Rabbeim in Chicago on the west side, you don't see the um, the importance, I think, of the corners we turned in terms of, of the board and the faculty and the student body. Um, uh, the, the biggest challenge of all was putting together a package, finding a, an appropriate Rosh Yeshiva um, and or Rosh Kolel at the same time and bringing in a Kolel. I was helped to a large extent by a man that I adopted as my Rebbe, Rav Moshe Herschler, who was a brilliant, brilliant Talmudist, as uh, some of the faculty like to call him then. Uh, Gon Adir, he would have been certainly one of the Gedolei Ador had he lived. He's gone now for 23 years, I think, that he was Nifter. Uh, we remained very close, but he helped me put together the Kolel. Uh, interviewed the initial interview, and then I brought uh, the entire group to Chicago. We started putting out the Or Shmuel Torah Journal. Sure, um, it was hopping. It was a wonderful, wonderful period. It was a renaissance. I think that you you hit something uh, struck a chord with me in particular um, when you talk about the fact that you know I graduated. Now I had the I had the <laughs> I had the, um, the benefit of being a kid. Um, whose father was part of the staff at the yeshiva, so I, I, you know, I, I knew you. I knew I, 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 met, I know some of the names and faces you're talking about, but I think a lot of people who graduated, um, really, from the '90s and on, take for granted um, the fact that, like you said, like it, there, there was this Renaissance period in the '80s that that you were instrumental in, in putting together, and I think that. Uh, you know, we we walk past. Um, obviously, just coming down. You know, we have a room in the base matters that we're doing this podcast, and we we um, we pass by the uh, you know the the, the lamp of uh, the lamp of learning uh, Parnas Hayom. Um, that we 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 all read Lukut Epshatim. We all you know we've sent our kids and our and our families and our, have attended Yeshiva Sakayats, and I, I think there is a lot that we take for granted and just say, hey, the Yeshiva was uh, was always like this. It's so. It's so interesting and so insightful to be able to hear uh, from you the, the you know what what the struggles were to to get to that point. What's it like when you've got things starting to work the right way? When you've when you've made I things think, start working, what is that feeling like in Yeshiva? I don't know that there was ever a period where I felt that things were working. I remember <laughs> one, uh, that, that may not have come out the way I, I meant it. That, where I felt that it was time to rest on laurels. I don't think that history meant it to work that way. 
Um, I remember that uh, I passed uh, or I met Shale Bellows, uh, Oliver Shalom, at that board meeting, and, he's, and I said, we're going to get it done. And he said, what do you mean you've done it? And it, it gave me an awakening, like a uh, feeling that, you know, to sit back and, but I didn't operate that way. I didn't, uh, that package of Rosh Hashiva, Rosh Kolel, Kolel that I talked to you about was a difficult and bitter fight, really. Um, fight is a strong word, but from my point of view, with the board, with that earlier board, uh, it was that that made it possible for the newer board to replace them. Um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, and I think that my family paid a certain price. Um, my older son probably still doesn't forgive me for some of the baseball games I missed on Sunday because I was in my office. Um, but I had a great deal of satisfaction. I think I started to recover some of that satisfaction this year when they came to interview me. I was in Israel. Um, the Shiva sent people to talk to me and here in, in New York. Um, so now, now it's all clear in my mind. When I began to talk to them a year ago, it wasn't. It wasn't that clearly, you know, the phases. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example of something I learned that you could only know by being president. You would think that an institution like the yeshiva, you would want to create Talmudim that resemble the faculty. I learned very early that the, that the product of the yeshiva is a synthesis. It's a synthetic product. The yeshiva has a profile. A profile, I don't know if you see it today, but one major element in it was the European Londis of Torah of Alpeh, Gomorrah, Postkim. A second was Chachmas Yisrael, Tanakh, Hebrew literature, uh, Hebrew language, uh, Jewish philosophy with Rabbi Dr. Berkowitz. A third element was Western civilization, secular studies, and a fourth was community leadership. And these four for most of us, that meant Zionism. It meant community service and involvement in Chicago. Our students are unique, or they were, in the way these four units uh, are integrated into one profile. To create somebody that has that profile, you have to expose them to the original. In other words, if I and my chaverim and people like me were the product of that environment, took over the entire faculty, then our students would not be the same synthesis that we were. Every generation has to create its own. And Chicago was very, we were geniuses. We, I mean, those that came before me as well, at producing Tamidim who found their way to answer the needs of the community as it existed at the time. In every field, some became Russian Yeshiva's some became professors of philosophy, Marvin Fox and Kessler, others, um, people that are prominent in every one of the fields that I mentioned, but they have to be created anew in every generation. I don't know if that speaks to you because many of you are uh, relate more to the high school. You know, this is something that happened really at the base measures level, but it continues, when I meet them, it continues to typify and characterize a Chicago Talmud. They're different from Torah Vadas. They're different from YU. They're different from Baltimore. Uh, we had our own niche, and uh, and it was very special. We had uh, we had the opportunity when we were in Israel to uh, 
interview of Gedalia Finkel um, and at the mirror. And he said something very similar. Uh, he said that there was, you know, there's this, when we asked him when a Chicago boy comes to the mirror, is there a, do you have a certain like connection because you yourself went to Chicago, we're from Chicago. And he says, you, you can tell everyone has a, has a, has a certain connection to a Chicago boy. Cause when you tell when a guy comes from Chicago, specifically from Skokie Yeshiva to learn in the mirror, he's a, he's a well-rounded uh, bucker. He's a, as a bucker who's, Who's who's had a good hashpa on him? He comes. He's a sincere guy, and I think that that's that's part of the recipe that I think you were talking about. So uh, that's it just, is indeed. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate to be the teacher and madrid of his older brother, Zechotadikli Brachot Nosson Tzvi. Yeah, um, was my camper and my town business. So uh, I I know how we fed into that, and we remained very close, very close. Rabbi, well, I wanted, I wanted to ask you something before we get into just some of the projects that you instituted. I, something that you said was about the about some of the conflict that, that you had, and I, I, I'm curious. I, I don't want to get into the weeds or the details of it, but I'm curious if you can give uh, us some, some idea on how— you know how you resolve the conflict in general, and and maybe you can give us some uh, some some management classes here on and just you know there was this turmoil, there was these you know you came in and you you were determined and you you did a, a great job you know flipping the switch so to speak. Is there is there some lessons that you can share with us when it comes when, when there are people listening to who who are either in their organizations or in their shoals or they sit on boards or whatever it is that come up with conflict is there some some sort of uh uh you know rule or, or uh, idea that you can share um the recipe for conflict resolution that's right um i i hasten by the way, I think maybe this should turn into two interviews because I don't think we're going to cover what you wanted to. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll say further. It, they were. It was not a period of turmoil during my administration. Um, the turmoil that I was talking about is really how the yeshiva was weakened during the end of the 60s by a faculty dispute over the Rose Cone College and then uh, with the departure of Arn Soloveitchik and um, that was 10 years in the past, but it left its print on the institution. It never recovered. Um, it was a wayward institution looking to solve the problems through the creation of the Institute for Computers in Jewish Life. Um, and for the most part, it just kind of existed there. I don't have a recipe. I, I worked with very closely uh, with some people that I cultivated uh, who cared as deeply about the yeshiva as I did, most of them, and uh, they came aboard. I think that it was that what we wanted to tackle would have had to be confronted by anyone in my position. Now, it wasn't unique to me. It wasn't unique to the times. It was a carryover, like a, a burden that had never been dealt with. You know, it was a 10, 15-year right. hiatus. Okay, that, that's about as much as um, my my secular field was administration. Uh, so I'm be happy to meet with you anytime you want to talk about administrative or bureaucratic questions. <laughs> Maybe that helps me a little bit. Right. Maybe that helps a little bit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, 
Can we? Can we? I I, I really appreciate the time, and I, I I think the insights have been great. But I I think that it would be we would be remiss if, and I'm I'm sure we're not going to give it the time it's due. But I do want to talk about briefly about both Lakute Pshatim and the Shalach Monas project. Um, and I really want to ask you where you want to start with, e- with either of those. Um, but those are those are two things that we, you know, that, that the Shiva is, is really well known for worldwide. Um, in addition to obviously the Musmachim and things like that. But when you think about, you know, this the uh, different projects that the Shiva does, Shalachmanis is, is a huge one here. Um, we had Mrs. Samber. Uh, on one of our, our podcasts recently telling us about all the thousands and thousands of packages that have been delivered um, in the history. And, uh, and of course, uh, and with the distribution, when you include the email of tens of thousands uh, every single week. So uh, I was wondering if you could pick one of those or, or one at a time and just give us an idea. And again, I apologize for, the, for asking to, for, for briefness, but uh, give us an idea of how those came about. Well, um, let me give you the big picture. We're getting into the the flesh and bones now of the program. We haven't talked about that at all. Um, these projects were part of a uh, the palette that included a new Department of Alumni Affairs that included the Siyum Masechta program in the high school, which revolutionized the high school, um, the Masibas Rosh Chodesh, uh, that I instituted, that every Rosh Chodesh there was a Seuda and a guest speaker. Um, and then um, a separate, but together with those were a number of projects like Likutek Shotim, Shalach Manas, the Malava Malka, and the retreat uh, once a year that was a huge success in the beginning, Rabbi Hendler, Zecher Bracha, and Yibodel Chaim Tovim, Rabbi Herschel Schechter came and people like that came for as speaker at the retreat and then stayed for the Malava Malka and a world-famous Chavdan. Then there's the Lampa Learning Society. You talked about the the uh, mural that uh, that I had made up. I actually designed it. I drew it. On the other wall, there's Yerushalayim, which is also my work. Um, also, the masthead of Likute Chatim, for that matter, at the beginning was my artwork. So... Oh, you wow. can tell that I was involved in yeshiva with every fiber of my, of my being, really. Uh, the Lamp of Learning Society had its own dinner. I can tell that you're particularly curious about Shalach Manas and Likute <laughs> Pshati. I sought somebody like Naomi Samber and hired her. She had three jobs. One was Likute Pshati, the second was Shalach Manas, and the third was Or Shmuel, the Torah journal that came out for a few years till I left, I think. I don't know that it came out maybe once or twice after that. Um, but but she's largely been focused on these two programs. Uh, Shalach Mana speaks for itself. Reciprocity was a, um, a, a new thing altogether that has been imitated by probably hundreds of institutions in America. Uh, it's a moneymaker. Um, for sure, the addition of the sponsorships, each at $18, today made it $36. Um, I think it may have been $10 when we started. So I'll take you through Kutech Shatim. I realize that there's some question in the minds of some people. Uh, Rabbi Rand wrote a Parsha sheet for his shear, uh, which is uh, routine. 
it's uh, de rigueur, really, in all the day schools and high schools uh, today that Rabbeim usually distributes. I think he needs to be credited with the fact that I don't remember anybody before him in the yeshiva uh, drawing up a, a work like that to distribute to the Talmudim in his class. What I do remember is that I saw it and I said, uh-huh, that's exactly what we need. And I asked him if he would work with me on producing this on a mass scale. That meant um, writing it. Uh, and many people, uh, Benny, Rabbi Rand had the responsibility for doing that. But go back and look the first year, you will see that I wrote a great many of them. Uh, so did other people. Um, but that material had to be edited and proofread. And then we had to find a printer. Uh, Rabbi Rand, I think, had a brother-in-law, and uh, I called him in, and we talked about format, the color, the quarter sheet format. Um, that's phase one, putting the paper together. So phase two was going out shul to shul and asking them if they wanted to receive it, and I did that. And I remember that we came up with, as I recall, 32 or 36 congregations and nursing homes in the area that were interested. If we got it to them, they would put it out and make it available. A fellow named Cohn, uh, who went to Canada, agreed to be the first one to drive around on Friday and deliver all of these things. Wow. So the distribution was done. That's the end of phase two. <laughs> phase three Phase three was the not the subscribing shows, but the subscribing sponsors who paid to have their announcement made. And that, I think, is what puts uh, Likute Pshatim in a class of its own. Nothing that comes out of New York or Cleveland has anything like this. It's like reciprocity was in Shalach Manas, that, that the, every issue would bring in $100, $200. I, I would grow faint if I tried to figure out how much money has been raised by Likute Pshatim and Shalach Manas since that time. These were, these were not answers to the money problems of the yeshiva. They were answers to the community leadership challenges of the yeshiva. Each one of them, think about it for a minute, Likute Pshatim put us on the map with every show, every location in Chicago. Shalach Manas put us on the map with every home in Chicago. And when you exercise that kind of community leadership, then you get money. It, it just follows, you know, I mean, if they're structurally connected as they were, when you, when you appeal to people and provide for the service that they need, then they will support you and, and they will be uh, part of your team. So that's what these were. The Torah Journal was, was uh, directed to alumni and rabbanim and, and the Torah community. Um, that's that's how I looked at it. I don't know if I've given you a, a complete picture. No, I'm that's, sorry that the yeah. No, that I think that that's that's amazing. I mean, to to be able to kind of get into the guts of of, of both those programs are great. I want to I want to come back to something you said earlier, which was that yeah. you didn't you didn't think much about maybe the time as recently until maybe this year. When you look back on it, what stands out to you? My vision of myself, as I look back, is a young man standing at the front of the yeshiva during davening with his talus over his head, 
saying Shmakoleinu Hashem and asking for the Rebbeinu to give me direction and guidance in being able to do the right thing and uh, restore the Mokam Torah that I had uh, known and that I loved to its former glory. And uh, I remember feeling at, at times that that Hashem was answering me and that things were moving in that direction. But I never stopped asking. So that's, uh, I, I don't mean to come off as a frummy. Um, you know, I can see somebody misinterpreting that, the imagery that I just conjured up. But that really is, uh, that is a condensed version of how I felt about things. Rabbi, well, one of the questions and the last question that we'll ask you, and one of the questions that we ask everybody is, it's been 100 years, the yeshiva, uh, depending on how you count, and we we always kind of ask the people we interview um, for a bracha and the thoughts of, of the yeshiva who, who've accomplished so much in 100 years, um, and then for the future, what your hopes and aspirations would be for the institution that you were so uh, fervently involved with? A bracha, a, a characterization of what I would like the future to bring. The, the, um, I think it would be fair to say in some ways that the Hebrew Theological College based Medrash Torah um, was a precious institution to many people. From the beginning, including the European faculty, they all treasured it. They all felt that it was a solution to the future of American Jewry. I think of it in some ways as the volusion of the Midwest, not of all America, but uh, slice off the East Coast. Um, uh, and, and all America was serviced by Chicago. Stella's, Yom Narayim Stella's, you know, um, physicians as Rabonim in Florida, to California, certainly to Colorado, certainly to the ring around Chicago, Detroit, uh, St. Louis, Cleveland, uh, Denver, uh, St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, where I came from, all of this was our territory. It belonged to Chicago. Um, I think that that can happen again. American Jewry has recovered to the point where Chicago is no longer just another yeshiva. Um, or maybe it is just another yeshiva right now, but in a way that's that's a um, that's a challenge. It means that you have a large a large spectrum of institutions. I don't know if any of them have the personality that we have. If there are people around that can still bring that kind of um, special flavor and special uh, set of goals, but uh, the bracha that I would give it is that Chicago in whatever new format, whatever new evolutionary form it takes, that it should continue to serve um, as it has. I just want to add one thing that occurred to me right before this interview, and I want to share it with you. There was a family in Chicago. The name was, was um, my gosh, uh, Goldberg. And Mr. Goldberg was a teacher in the public schools. His wife was a an assistant teacher in the day school system. And uh, I don't know how he began his travel back, his journey back to Judaism. Um, she was a Yellen, uh, but they were both very nice people and they had a large family. And Rehearsal Kaplan became his Rebbe. 
And I just remember all the time him coming to the yeshiva and meeting with Reversal. Uh, Reversal was a very, I mean, we all respected and knew Reb Mendel as an extraordinary mechanic, but Reb Herzl was, was every bit as much um, special in his own way. Reb Herzl was mechanic him. Today, the Rosh Hashiva tells Yeshiva in Cleveland is his son. A mm. son passed away who was one of the Rosh Hashivas in Riverdale. Another son passed away recently. Moshe created the largest uh, Sedoka fund in the world, operating out of Jerusalem, giving money to needy families. And um, just one child after another have fertilized the Jewish world. And this is this is not a singular story. It's over and over and over again. You just have to scratch sometimes, and you'll find the HTC background lingering there. I think that the there is a spirit in the yeshiva in the centennial program for sure, and in what you're doing, there is a spirit that's reminiscent of Chadesh Yomenu Kekeden. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Well, it's a pleasure and privilege to have you on, and uh, I wish you zolzagazent and stark. You should have continued, continued hatzlacha, and much mazel in everything you do. Amen. Thank you so much. Great work. Great work. Thank you. So. A lot of interesting things there. A lot of <laughs> lot of things to unpack. Curious to see what makes the final cut, Mo. But that was an incredible interview. Yeah, it really was. And uh, I, I, I people think... people just haven't told us certain things. I guess. Yeah, about, like, there's... there was going to be a girls' school across the street. No, I think I think that's did that knowledge. come up? Um, I want to hear more about what happened to the wine money. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to get into. <laughs> Where are all the people from the 70s? Why can't get them on the phone? That's, that's, that's actually, the wine money has me scratching my head. I um, want to hear about the Wild West days <laughs> in the 1970s at the show. But I'll tell you one thing that I think is really cool How is that here's someone that saw this tumult happening and then still kind of wanted to be president, took that job and 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 embraced it. Because, as he said in his own words, because of the love that he had for the institution, which is which is uh, yeah, awesome. I mean, you you can see that stuff and you can run from it, or right. or you can try to you know make it and change it and make it for the better. And I think a lot. And I think part of the story for him is like the way it seems is that the role of an administrator is never finished, right? right. Like there isn't a a moment where you can. I mean, you can sit back and look at you know, pat yourself on the back, but there's just always ways to continue evolving and continue changing and continue making things better because the challenges in each generation are different when you're running a school. Um, So uh, really a fascinating interview. Really was. It really was. All right. Look forward to the next one. Dove, it's a pleasure. Always great to be back with you, Mo. Until next time. Thank you all for listening.